So welcome back, everyone. Another episode of The Good Mom with Blair and Carmen. And today we have a really special guest, Amy. Um, and we met on Instagram through a mutual friend, mm-hmm. Sam, who we all yes. love. This is our first international because Amy's in Oman. All right. So Amy, I'm going to let you take it away and give us a little intro on what you do, how you do it. Yeah, sure. Thank you, first of all, for having me on here. And yeah, I'm really excited for this as well. So my name's Amy, and I am a hypnobirthing instructor and an antenatal educator. Um, That hasn't always been the case. So I was a secondary school PE teacher for the last 13 years. Um, And then when I had my son, that's when I kind of found hypnobirthing. And if I'm honest, some of you maybe listening to this might think, well, don't really know what hypnobirthing is. And that is a question I get a lot. And I'm sure we're going to get onto that at some point. I was the same. And it was through a recommendation from a friend to read a book that um, I should know about this as, you know, a pregnant person, a mom to be. I am not exaggerating when I say this, but reading the first few chapters of this book like literally changed my life um and we'll get to the reasons why I'm sure but it was from that point onwards that I decided that I then implemented everything that hypnobirthing is for the birth of my son and it didn't go to plan either in terms of you know what you your kind of plan a if you like but I was still able to use hypnobirthing and it's because of that that's why I think I had such a positive birth considering my situation at the time um and yeah after that I had my son was on maternity leave and I had maternity leave in Qatar so you only get 50 days um sadly so within that time I was just like this 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 is my passion like being a mom babies pregnancy I've always been obsessed with kind of pregnancy and babies anyway I decided to kind of research some courses and I found a hypnobirthing trainers course in the UK and yeah six months later I was back home retraining and then I've now been a hypnobirthing instructor for the last two years so yeah that's me that's awesome amazing I mean I think we're both definitely guilty of being like hypno what yeah um yeah. Carmen and I both had like very unplanned kind of yeah. births. We didn't I, have birth plans. No, I kind of went into it going, well, I can't reverse what I've done. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to go for it. Thankfully, for the most part, it was fine with Grace specifically. But I definitely could have used some help with me yes. though, in keeping myself, I don't know, together. together. In more ways than one. Yeah. Um, so I have no idea, like if I was an alien, what is hypnobirthing? Um, well, first of all, you're not an alien. And like I said, this is probably the top question that I get asked when people kind of first find me or maybe they're recommended to come and check out my, you know, social media page. So hypnobirthing, I guess there's some myths to bust. First of all, it's, it's not a type of birth. A lot of people think that you can say, I want a hypnobirth, just like you can say, I would like a water birth or I would like um, a vaginal birth or an elective C-section birth. It's not a type of birth. So what hypnobirthing is, is it's a logical approach to birth. So everything that hypnobirthing is, it's founded upon scientific research. And for me, that's a big green tick because anything that's kind of pragmatic, logical, and science-based 
that that really hits home with me. Um, but essentially what it is, it, or what the way in which I deliver it is, it's a full antenatal course that helps you prepare for birth. And there is a huge focus on the mind-body connection and how our mind has, in terms of what we think, what we believe, can have a huge impact physiologically, like there is evidence to prove that it has a physiological impact upon our body and how it responds to these thoughts and emotions. So when we link that to birth, things like how long your labor is, um, the how comfortable or uncomfortable or painful labor is, is connected to your brain. Um, but essentially, over the period of one of my full courses, what I will give people is a full toolbox of different techniques, um, the education, to essentially help them have a really calm, confident and empower an empowering birth so that they can go into their labor and their birth knowing exactly what they want they have the education behind them so that if they're faced with needing to make a decision on the day sadly it doesn't always happen that you know you're faced with making a decision but you're not given all of the advantages mm -hmm. and disadvantages or pros and cons of the different outcomes I kind of provide that beforehand so you've got the knowledge so that you are confident to make the right decisions for you and your baby on the day so that you come away feeling that birth didn't just happen to you that you were very much active in deciding how your birth played out yeah what it is. okay I would have liked that oh, yeah. like <laughs> No, but honestly speaking, I mean, I remember going in to um, my labor with Harper <laughs> and I remember I really had like no idea what I was doing at all, mm -hmm. but I just kind of went in with like, a, okay, let's do this and yeah. let's just get this baby out. It is really interesting to hear that it's a very like science-based approach because at first I was thinking like it was a... I don't want to say spiritual, but like I kind of imagined it just going being like closing your eyes and like, like almost a, a man like going like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that. Like, absolutely. I think that comes from like the word hypnosis, doesn't it? And yeah. the hypno part of hypnobirthing. If I'm honest, that is what puts everybody off. And my husband is constantly saying like, you need to rebrand this because so many people are put <laughs> off because they think it's a bit, you know, a bit hippie-ish, a bit woo-woo, a bit fluffy. And like, even for people like me, I my friend recommended the book and I was like, I'm not sure this is my thing. I'm not, not down with all of this. And honestly, I think the book was written so well that it, it tells you everything that it's founded upon. And the fact it was so based in science and physiologically, sorry, physiology and psychology and neuroscience as well linked to the brain. I was just like, okay, I'm in. You've convinced yeah. me I'm in. Yeah. What was the book, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, so it's written by um, a lady called Siobhan Miller and she's the founder of the Positive Birth Company. This company is huge. They don't need any promotion from me <laughs> as a competitor. But yeah. honestly, th this this book was was brilliant, and it's yeah, so practical ways to make your birth better. In a nutshell, like if I was to say to anybody, like one book that you need to read whilst pregnant, it would be this one. Not the expect um, when you're expecting. Yeah. Like that that is so outdated. It's unreal. So this would be my number one recommendation. So when would you recommend someone beginning these classes with you? Um, so essentially, you can start 
as early as you want. There isn't really like a date on when you sh should start or when you should stop them. But I would probably say the optimal time is from 20 weeks onwards because all of the tools and techniques that I give you, it's just like anything. The more you practice something, the more the more natural and easy they become. If you start any earlier, it's fine. And, you know, you will still probably have the same um, experience as long as you are consistent with applying and practicing mm -hmm. the techniques. That is the key thing, really. It's practicing the techniques. But then I've had clients that have come and they're literally 40 weeks and all of a sudden they think, okay, I've not prepared for this at all. And I do like a short intensive course over three hours to give them the basics, just to give them something to work on. So like, can you get a, give us an example of like one technique? Like, is there mindfulness in it? Yeah, of course. No, of course. Yeah. So uh, breathing techniques is absolutely part of it. And I think that is one myth actually that people think, oh, hypnobirthing course, you'll just teach me to breathe and then that'll be it. But yeah. it's much more than that. But yeah, breathing is part of that. The core, I guess, concept is you need to go into birth, first of all, knowing how best you relax and you can yeah. create anchors by practicing at home that as soon as you start to do something or smell something or um, hear something, for example, that is like your trigger to, to help your body relax. And the more you practice that, the easier those triggers can be used during labor um so breathing techniques is part of that kind of core foundation of one way to relax um but then using guided um relaxation tracks so listening to those before you go to bed um or as you wake up is, an, is another example um even just things like um bonding with your birth partner so whether that's you know husband it could be even a friend or a relative whoever that birth partner is things like soft touch massage using like really soft gentle touch along your back which stimulates all the nerves in your body sending signals to the brain that ah oh, it's time to relax because when we relax it alters all of our hormones in the body and when we have a certain concoction of certain hormones which are triggered when we relax, that is what helps our labor progress more quickly and also to feel more comfortable and less painful as well. Yeah, interesting. It's um, funny, like I never would have thought to do any of those things. Like I really wanted to make a playlist, but then when it came down to it, I forgot yeah. going. Mm -hmm. um, obviously if I had implemented that and started the habit of doing it beforehand, yeah. then. Mm -hmm. Do you have husbands ever join in on the classes? Yeah, all the time. Every, oh, every session I, yeah, every session, it, it's a, when I deliver my courses, they are designed for the person that's pregnant and their partner. And 90% of the time that is their husband or, you know, their, their life partner, whoever that might be. So, you know, whether they're, um, doesn't matter what sexuality they are or how they've ended up pregnant hip hypnobirthing can really help them and yeah so I've had one it was a Qatari lady actually and um I said look I really I'm doing this course with you but I really recommend your husband sits on with it sits in with it and he came in during the session kind of said hi and was polite and then excused himself and then and I just said, look, she was going, she was planning, it was a fourth child. She was planning to give birth by, her, by herself. Mm. And at the end of the course, she said, okay, I think, I think maybe I need somebody with me, even if it's my sister. And I said, yes, please do. Um, because you just need, there are so many 
decisions sometimes that you need to make, conversations that need to be had. And those in themselves can be really stressful. And when we're stressed, we produce adrenaline, which is counterproductive to being relaxed and having a less painful and quicker labor. So having someone that can advocate on your behalf and kind of act as the gatekeeper to protect in your little sanctuary whilst you're giving birth, that is one of their main jobs. So yeah, absolutely, husbands have and partners have a huge role to play. And I always say, if they can be there, they are gonna get so much out of this course. And quite often the reviews that I've had, the dads or partners are the ones that actually have the biggest turnaround mm -hmm. in their mindset and, and how they then approach the birth and their role. Yeah, I can so picture that. I can picture that. It's yeah. nice to hear that a lot of them are coming as well. So you're in Oman now and you were in Qatar, as you just said, you had a, a Qatar mm -hmm. client. Um, with the whole idea of hypnobirthing and kind of like, it sounds taboo a little bit. I think your husband's right. You need to rebrand it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I kind of, no, I kind of think in like birth coach might be just a better umbrella term. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, because yeah, no. One of my questions for you today was, have you tapped into, you know, local populations? And has there been a bit of a hurdle in, kind of getting over it or, or a hurdle tapping into those yeah no I, I yeah that that has been and so yeah I I kind of did manage to towards the end of my time in Qatar start to tap into the more local the you know the Qataris and I guess even you could even say people that are Muslim it, it was difficult to kind of I think because of people think it is a bit taboo it is a bit spiritual which you know if you follow islam worshiping even doing certain yoga poses is haram mm -hmm. because it's worshiping another being or entity mm -hmm. and yeah uh, according to some people so yeah there has definitely been a hurdle let's say in terms of gaining momentum it was certainly british people to begin with but then western people mm -hmm. um yeah that have kind of either heard about it before or maybe they know somebody that's spoken about it before and I think that kind of gives it a bit of credibility but um yeah I actually in 18 months it was only two clients that were either so one lady was like the, the family were Kateri and then the second client was it was a Kateri father but a um Scottish mother so okay. she kind of had that yeah. way into what was going on back at home because it is so huge in other parts of the world it just seems from my experience and speaking to other you know kind of independent midwives doulas and people within the birth industry the middle east seems to be a law to itself which it is i think on a lot of things um i mean i think in this part of the world and um, in this society it is very much word of mouth yes. because building that relationship with the individual that you then trust, that's mm -hmm. how you get in to the circle, so to say, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. I was, I remember looking when I was pregnant with Grace, uh, my first daughter, looking for like a doula or somebody, because I, I just wanted someone to come, I'm, I'm very much a, like, just hold my hand and tell me what I have to do type person. Like, I don't want to know about it, just tell me what to do and where to be, and mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. do that. Um, so I was kind of looking for someone to be able to do that for me. And there was just nobody there. Uh, and 
not at the time there was nobody that was offering like breastfeeding services or doula mm -hmm. services or um when was like that? you are 2000... 2015 oh, 2015 that was early yeah and then it wasn't until mila where i started seeing people offering like breastfeeding services and stuff like yeah. that but by that point I yeah i i'd certainly say the birth support in terms of a community has certainly grown and Possibly maybe I wasn't aware of it before I trained and before I was pregnant because I wasn't looking for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like even the other day I got um, an Instagram DM about joining a Qatar group of kind of midwives and birth birth workers that were supporting families in in Qatar. So it's it's yeah. definitely yeah growing for sure. So what are like the stages then? Like it, like if you were to break it down to like chapters, chapter one, how many are there? I guess what I could go through, I guess some of the topics um, that I would cover and it, and it depends what type of course you were to do with me. I do some courses that are four weeks long and last 12 hours. Some courses I just do a masterclass for three hours. So, you know, obviously the longer the course, the more we would go through, but. So before um, we answer that question, what different types of courses do you offer? Um, so at the moment, I offer my full course, which is, like I said, over four sessions. So it's ideally you would do them weekly um, for four weeks. And each session is around about two and a half to three hours. Um, and that's for four weeks. And then in between and after that, you get kind of my support on um, WhatsApp, social media, so that, you know, if you go to an appointment and you're asked something or told something, you can come backwards and forwards to me to ask, you know, pros and cons, or have you heard of this, or, you know, those kind of things. Um, so that's kind of my full course, and I offer that in person for where where I am. So at the moment, it's Muscat. Um, but then I also offer that online as well. And I offer both of those as a group, but also privately on a one-to-one -one basis. So, so one of the cool things I've, I've had is, I've had a couple that were based in Qatar. I was in the UK at the time, and then the mom's mother, so the grandmother-to-be, joined from South Africa, because she was going to be there at the birth. So she was part of the course as well. So, you know, three, literally three different continents, and we all did this course together for four weeks. That was really cool. That's so um, good. That's yeah. like so good. Um, so yeah, and then I also offer, so I do one-off kind of masterclasses, which are, again, three hours, and you can do that privately. Any private course, it's very much tailored very specifically to, you know, the parents, the birth partner, the type of birth they are hoping for, even the hospital and where they're giving birth. But then, you know, if they've had any previous births or specific traumas that maybe they want to work through or, um, you know, any, it's very much specific and tailored exactly to their pregnancy and their needs. I also have a pre-recorded three-hour course. So if you don't kind of, you can't commit to a certain time when I'm hosting them, you can just, you know, go on my website, download it, pay for it, and it's there. And then you've got lifetime access to it. So if you have a second mm -hmm. or third baby, you can go back to it. And yeah, that's it at the moment. In probably in around about four months' time, I'll be launching my... Um, kind of antenatal postpartum care package as well that will be something that you can kind of add on as a second course to to cover you know the fourth trimester and yes. hormones and breastfeeding and sleep and you know all those kind of things that 
you never really prepare for, I think, when you're pregnant because you're so focused on the birth. Yeah, I was just writing that down to ask if you did uh, post-care. You've got everything. Yeah. <laughs> You've got everything that any mom, expectant mom, could possibly need. Yeah, I think there's so like limited attention on postpartum yes, care, and I think, yeah. oh my gosh, that is like the time that we need the most care and attention. Yeah. I mean, planning for the birth, yeah, it's a lot of work, but I think you are so distracted with the uncertainty of labor that then all of a sudden you have a baby in your hands and you're like, okay, see ya in six weeks. Uh, good luck, get lots of rest and um, don't forget to breastfeed your baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, yeah antenatal care in terms of when I've done like polls on you know what kind of support are you looking for as a mom-to-be or a new mom and the postpartum care I feel like comes up so often like almost like you say like it's almost more in demand than the birth and, and and kind of pregnancy element um i wish i could have had like a live-in coach a postpartum coach yeah that would just like live with me and tell me what to do yeah <laughs> well you can actually get postpartum doulas so there's like you've got the doulas that's there at your, yeah. your birth but then you can have the doulas that come and do the postpartum care with you as well like simple things like holding the baby whilst you go for a shower and yeah. like you can book them for the first few weeks so Oh, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm having another. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> do they also just have like life doulas that yeah. can come help me now? <laughs> yeah. So, so can I bring you back? Okay. We are talking about the, um, like, like the chapter wise as of like what kind of you cover. Yeah, sure. Um, so I start just like that kind of book starts really with, with, it's like you have to kind of prepare the soil um so that you can you know blossom and for me that that comes into like the physiology of birth birth and labor alongside the psychology and the neuroscience behind it and how the brain and body are hugely interconnected that then would lead us on to the importance of relaxation and then i teach a lot of tools and tips on how you can practice learning to relax together separately but then you know trying to implement that with a focus on what what would I enjoy doing in my labor or what works really well um the environment is such and a very overlooked element of preparing for your birth because ultimately like you know like like mammals or you know a dog or a cat when they give birth they want to be in a dark safe space where they're not being watched by 15 people or someone coming into the room and switching the lights on to say can I examine you and all those kind of things as, as humans we need that same kind of environment so simple things like teaching people about you can turn the lights off you can use electric candles or fairy lights you can have a playlist playing you can have a room spray that you've been using at home so that you've got that link with being pregnant um the and then that kind of links in with your birth partner's role as well because their role is huge it's not just to there and be like <laughs> okay breathe and to mop your brow occasionally it's there's so much more to it um like I said like being your advocate being your gatekeeper being mm. your your cheerleader in terms of like physically but emotionally as well um then comes the edu the education as well that's kind of weaved in throughout about how to navigate special circumstances like 
um, baby's in a breech position. Mm -hmm. These are what your options are, or this is what you could do to try and help move baby. Or um, like, for example, in my case, okay, you've got preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. these are your options this is what we need to do um so giving them all of the you know the pros and cons of everything so that they are informed beforehand what what they can do in terms of making the best choice um and and some of that comes with um you know different pain relief options mm-hmm. induction the different methods of induction and you know how statistically that might impact your birth outcomes um, and then more practical tips like um, physical and emotional preparation so the importance of the pelvic floor and that mm. I don't just mean that after birth I actually mean in terms of like training your pelvic floor to be able to contract and be nice and tight but also you need it to be able to relax so you need to have that control before baby's born we go through like the early signs of labor optimal birth positions, um, mentioned pain relief induction, like what your options are in terms of the cord and delayed cord clamping or mm-hmm. how you want to birth your placenta or, or what do you want to happen to your placenta afterwards? And then we kind of move into um, the fourth trimester. So breastfeeding support, um, but also options on what vaccines your baby might be offered and the pros and cons for each of those. and. Yeah, so like I said, it's like a, it's a big, a big thing. Mm-hmm. Every mother needs this. I know. Like this is not <laughs> like. I say, what do you mean about the placenta? Because so the funny thing with my labor was Nick had no idea there was. I told you right. Yeah. He had no idea there was a placenta coming out afterwards. So when it came out, he thought I was like losing like my stomach. an organ. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I didn't know there are different ways that you can, like, you mentioned birthing the placenta, like what was that? Yeah. So they call it the third stage of labor. So the first stage of labor is like your labor and dilating. The second stage is, is pushing and birthing your baby. And then the third stage is birthing your placenta. Mm -hmm. So you, for example, um, once the baby's born, you can cut the cord straight away or you can have delayed cord clamping, which is kind of waiting two to three minutes to allow, because that placenta is the organ that connects to your body that delivers the oxygen, the nutrients, the blood to the baby. And then it goes through the umbilical cord to the baby. So if you cut that cord straight away, up to 30% of your baby's blood is still in the placenta. But if you just wait two to three minutes, all of that blood and nutrients and goodness gets to the baby. So that's the first stage is knowing or deciding if you would like to have delayed cord clamping. But your other option is to actually have a lotus birth, which is where you birth your baby and you don't cut the cord and then you birth the placenta. And then some, what some, and that's that. And then you can kind of, cause that might take up to an hour. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, lotus birth. So, um, baby's born you decide not to cut the cord and then usually within 30 to 60 minutes the placenta is born but you've you've got two options about that as well you can um have what they call a physiological birth where you wait because because your your uterus will keep having contractions after you've given birth and that's because it's detaching the placenta from the wall of your uterus and then birthing your uterus as well and your second option is as soon as baby's born you can have an injection of a hormone that helps speed that process up for you and there's pros and cons for for each which i would go through in a course 
So that's your first option. And then, yeah, your other option is if you decide not to cut the cord, you can birth the placenta and keep the baby and the placenta attached. And then, you know, you can decide maybe after 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour or whatever that you want to cut the cord and that's fine. But the other option is to take the placenta home with the baby as well. Yeah. And you know when kind of the, the cord thing drops off the belly button after yeah. like two weeks or so, some people literally carry the placenta and the baby around for that time and then allow it to detach yeah. itself naturally. Um, anyway, so again, there's you know different reasons that people decide to do that. And then there's the whole like placenta encapsulation where you have it put into tablets and you take that for nutrients and yeah yeah there's loads of different options so so I they gave me the injection so my first daughter mm. was at Sidra I'm not my lie my first daughter was at the Cuban hospital and they mm. gave me the injection but I had no idea what it was for they just kind of stuck it in my leg yeah and I was just sitting there with uh grace and I remember I said the only thing I was very adamant about was I wanted them to have the delayed cord clamping Okay. I don't know if they did did it or not. Yeah. I was just mm -hmm. like exhausted afterwards. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um and I can't remember what they did at Citra. Like that that last uh the as soon as they came out, I just remember twin hook, okay, brains off, I'm done. Yeah. But would yeah. you have had that like knowledge? Because I had no idea that you could like I mean I don't know if they would let you here either, because it's just different. Um, I think certainly what I found from clients that I've had and my own experience is that you need to be really quite firm with what you would like. So having a birth plan is one way of doing that, because if you don't have a birth plan and like you said, you're so out of it and exhausted and euphoric all at the same time that actually making remembering to make those decisions yeah. because they're in your head and maybe you've not written down or even had that conversation with your husband or your partner sometimes it, you're not going to remember that. So yeah, yeah that's, I think that's why, first of all, having a birth plan for that reason is well, I've written it down. Please read it. This is what I would like. Now, sometimes, you know, for medical reasons, it can't happen because maybe baby needs support with their breathing or whatever. So they're going to cut the cord quickly to support the baby. So, you know, there's caveats with that, but yeah. All right, so tell us about your birth story. I mean, you read this book uh, after it had been highly recommended, and then you like fell in love with the theory or what have you. Um, so how did your birth go? Yeah, I read this the first few chapters of the book, and I said to my husband, you need to read this book as well. Like, this isn't just for me, because when I was pregnant, I was consuming everything that I could, watching everything on YouTube, and yeah, and then he started to read it and then the company that wrote the book do like an online course and that was like COVID had just started we were like in the depths of the first lockdown so you know you couldn't do anything in terms of go to Sidra for your antenatal classes or anything so we signed up to their online course and then you just kind of go through it at your own pace it's pre-recorded um so we watched through that my husband didn't watch all of it, I have to say. Mm. I just said, oh, I think you should watch these parts. These are going to be okay. really good for you. And then, yeah, I guess kind of wrote my birth plan and planned for or was hoping for, um, you know, a vaginal birth with 
you know, minimal intervention and just kind of, I wasn't one of those moms that were saying, I want it to be um, like drug free. And I wasn't bothered about that. Just, you know, ultimately I genuinely meant it when I said, as long as we're both okay, that's that's fine. Um, And it actually taught me that any kind of birth is okay. Mm -hmm. It is okay. It's all about your mindset and how you approach it. So yeah, and then, um, so Ruben was born on the 2nd of January. And he was 38 weeks at that point. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, so he was born early, but the two weeks prior to that, so kind of from 36 weeks onwards, I was having these, I was having bouts of reduced movement. And oh, okay. we had been all kind of registered with Doha Clinic by that point. So I was constantly, and it was only a five minute drive from where we lived at the time. And I was going in saying, look, baby's not moving he normally or I didn't know it was a he but baby's not moving they're normally really active at these times of day I've not noticed it I'm a bit worried and every time I went and got monitored I'd be on the CTG machine for like an hour two hours my poor husband honestly spent so many hours sat in a really uncomfortable chair but it was better to be safe than sorry Mm -hmm. and yeah that kind of that carried on of like days here and there but then it got to like Christmas and Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and the days in between New Year, I was in hospital every day saying reduce movements. And I was having really severe pains, like right up inside my rib cage. Also, I had really itchy hands. Um, And and I was just, and my chest as well, to the point where my skin, like I was bleeding on my chest because I was scratching it that much. And they just gave me um, calamine lotion oh no and I just knew inside me and that book had taught me no trust your gut if something's not right keep pushing keep pushing um and it was on actually so like the 30th of December my friends and I drove up to like Fuera Beach and we did this like goal setting ceremony with the sunrise and I got in my friend's car and I was like I might be in labor I don't know I'm a bit uncomfortable (laughs) but but we're only an hour away so it'll be fine New Year's Eve, we then went to my friend's house party and I had a few sips of champagne and like saw the new year in. And I look back at the pictures now, my face was so swollen, my ankles and my knees were swollen. And that is another sign of preeclampsia. So New Year's Day was like quite chilled, but then that night I didn't sleep. And so I moved out of the, out of the bed into the living room because I was really uncomfortable, couldn't sleep at all. So I was on the sofa and this pain was getting worse and worse, like a real stabbing pain. And it got to, I think around 2 a.m. where it was, I was like inconsolable. And by that point, your mind's going crazy. I was Googling everything. I was on the NHS website and I and I found, I just typed in my symptoms on one of their like, um, their robot things of, these are my symptoms and it'll tell you what to do. And it came up with preeclampsia. And I looked down the list of like 10 or 12 symptoms and I had the majority of them in some form or another. So yeah, I went in and it said like, you know, go to the hospital straight away. So um, yeah, woke up my husband and I was like, we need to go to the hospital right now. Briefly told him what had happened. We went, we got there. And by this point I was wheelchaired from the car in because I was like, like screaming and not screaming but I was in a lot of pain and the nurses greeted me by saying 
it's okay, mom. It's your first baby, mom. You don't know. You're in labor. Really oh, dismissive. And I was like, I am not in labor. Like, I just, I just knew that this isn't labor. Something's wrong. So because it was like private run, we obviously got billed for everything. So I went in and um, they gave me buscapan for indigestion on a drip. Um, and put me and put me in a labor room and and I was just like I am not in labor I don't have indigestion like will someone listen to me and in the end I said you need to call my doctor in so the doctor she got called in from home this was probably around about 4 a.m and I said to her I have eight nine however many symptoms of preeclampsia will you test me for preeclampsia and all it was was a urine sample so I literally peed in a pot she dipped it in within seconds she was like okay we're calling an ambulance you go into the women's wellness and oh then i was ambulance came i had this like i don't know if it was pethidin or morphine this like yeah. puffer thing yeah. i had um and then got there and got rushed in my husband had to stay in the car park he wasn't allowed in and i just said Call. i had like my friend on standby because i always said to her although we're planning to give birth here where my husband can be can you be my backup just in case because I don't want to do labor and birth alone and she was so he called her she came met us there and was in this like triage room I guess and I had like morphine jabs in my ass and like every tube in every orifice it felt like and then they were monitoring the baby and he was okay at the time so they kind of monitored me and then yeah let me kind of just chill I guess all the doctors left and then all of a sudden the heart rate monitors went crazy his heart rate had dropped like about 10 doctors came rushing in and they were like right we're prepping you for surgery um call your husband he's going to be a dad in 30 minutes so yeah so then had, wow. had an emergency c-section and i guess the whole time all i kept telling myself was so i i was really grateful actually that someone finally listened to me because it was hypnobirthing that taught me what to look out for if something's not right to trust your gut and and there's a kind of acronym of the questions to ask when you're trying to make a decision and I, I use those and how to stay calm and like one of the other areas for relaxation is positive affirmations and I had those in my handbag and um yeah and then I I was in theatre they were like just they just put the anesthetic in lay me down and I was about to have the procedure and I remember this like wave of panic coming over me and I was literally in there by myself so there was only me that could um calm myself down and it was like the breathing techniques that that did it and like visualizing and constantly saying to myself me and my baby are going to be fine me and my, my baby are going to be fine and then literally five minutes later they pulled him up and he was screaming and yeah all good I mean it's a good thing so, that for yourself yeah that's God. incredible yeah like I genuinely feel that looking back maybe it was the morphine I don't know but really it was quite a high stressful situation but I remember feeling really okay and I don't know like I said if it was the morphine or whether actually it was because like I just felt confident in me and knowing what to ask for what what to say what what was right what was wrong and yeah the techniques that I had 
in my toolkit really so yeah. I think that was you and your yeah. toolkit your mother for sure as well like, <laughs> just trusting your gut I mean but I think it's so incredible that you had those skills to be able to do that because I don't think a lot of moms necessarily do have that those skills that then yeah. give you the confidence to say no listen to me you know yeah. I mean mm. I think so often women in like the health area are just like oh just deal with the pain you know it's yeah. fine like mm. or like this woman said to you oh ma'am you know you're just your first time mom going into labor mm. that is so more often the case than actually listening to to the individual I mean wow that gave yeah. me the chills yeah. <laughs> he just turned three Aww. last week so hence the balloons these are his <laughs> birthday balloons <laughs> but yeah so I genuinely genuinely believe that it was the hypnobirthing that uh, yeah I mean we're both still here we're both happy and healthy so you don't want to think about the what ifs, but yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely not. That's a lot. Yeah. That is so much. But it's, I think what was really interesting to hear, because, well, let me back it up. One of my original questions was can you take like the tools of this or the philosophy of this into scenarios such as like a C section mm -hmm. and or when when and if does this theory ever have to stop but as i've learned this evening it it doesn't stop and it's like a, a toolbox of amazing skills that really as you've said several times empower a woman so yeah. Yeah. Uh, and i think that your birth story is a perfect example of that mm -hmm. um i have a question though do people ever ask you to come to the hospital with them People have asked if I do offer that. Yeah. Um, and I think now I'm, because I'm a mom, it's really difficult. I can't just, you know, leave in the middle of the night because there's a school run and things. I would love to, like, if somebody called me and I was free and I was at home and they're like, I'm about to give birth. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. But I would be there as a, as a friend more so than a support because I'm not, I'm not qualified as a midwife yeah. or a doula. So I wouldn't want to cross that line and yeah. give a, you know, advice, let's say, and then, you know, something happened off of the back course. of that advice. So yeah, I would love to be there. Um, and maybe one day, you know, maybe I will be trained as a doula. Maybe that'll be something I'll offer as well. But I would yeah. love to be there at people's birth. Like, I love it. You should do it. You should go yeah. for it. So on that note, we'll say good night. Yeah. And thank you so much. This has been educating. Awesome. Yeah. And educational for us because we were a bit of a skeptical, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, I think we didn't know. Yeah. I think that's most people's opinion, to be honest. So, yeah, don't worry. It doesn't offend me anymore. I just see it as, <laughs> right, how many more people can I, like, give this knowledge to? So, yeah. Um, we should ask if anybody that's listening has done this. Oh, yeah. Or if you're pregnant. If you're pregnant. Contact if you're Amy. <laughs> go check out Amy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you so much. Good night.